Well, good evening. Welcome to the PSI Monthly Podcast. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the podcast. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 40 years, and each month on these trainings, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic Course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about the basic course, you can go to PSIBasicSeminar.com. The topic for tonight's call is certainty. Tonight, we are very excited to bring you this special training followed by a Q&A session where we will be answering your questions. First, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have an amazing guest with us this evening, Mr. Cortland Warren. Cortland is an instructor of the PSI Basic Seminar for nearly 13 years now. He has attended all of the PSI classes back in 2001. He is very passionate about his work and loves assisting people in their own personal transformations. Cortland, are you with us? I am. I am. Thank you, Kat, for such a kind introduction. And thank you uh, for, for showing how open and serious you are about your life, and about your personal growth by listening uh, to this podcast. And we're able to tell a lot about a person. In fact, I would say we're able to tell the most about a person by how and where they spend their time. Uh, On tonight's podcast, we'll tackle one of the more common frustrations for leaders and learners like you, and that, that frustration is the frustration of knowing that there is more in you without knowing exactly how to get it out. And over the course of uh, the training tonight, we'll look at, you know, how to know when it's time to take action, uh, when it's time to move ahead full throttle, um, how to know when it's time to fall back, uh, what to do when it's time to act even though you're uncertain, of what the outcomes will be, and how to do so, whether whether it's move forward or fall back, how to do so in a way that is, uh, as Kat mentioned, how to do so in a way that is certain, where you have strong conviction, and you're certain of uh, certain of the choice and the decision that you've made. I want you to imagine for a moment a big goal or dream that you have. And it can be a dream in any area or from any area of your life. Okay, maybe the dream is that you lose a certain amount of weight. Like you want to lose so much weight that it warrants a complete wardrobe um, overhaul. Okay, or maybe the dream for you is that you are able to go in and tell your boss or your, uh, your job that you're leaving while at the same time letting your husband, your wife, or your partner know that you're coming home because you've grown your side business to a level that it actually costs you money to, uh, to go to work. Uh, you are, or maybe the dream is in the area of your spiritual life with a particular mission or vision that you have, and it could definitely also be a dream or goal that you have in the area of romance and relationship. But I want you to firmly bring to mind this dream and see yourself at that point, okay? So the dream is firmly in mind, and see yourself at the point where it is time for you to take decisive action. So with the dream in mind, there you are 
in whatever area of life it is, physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, there you are, the dream is at hand, you have the clear picture, it's time for you to take decisive action, and what do you do? Do you notice that you hesitate or you wait until you feel more ready or comfortable or prepared before you actually jump in? Or are you one of those who takes immediate action, even when you aren't sure of what the outcome is going to be? It turns out that all of us, each and every one of us, does both. There are times when we take immediate action and we go all out for the accomplishment of the dream, even with the uncertainty of what lies ahead. And there are times when you and I hesitate or we stall for more preparation. What leaders and learners want to know is how to do more of the former and less of the latter. We want to know how do we do more of the moving and less of the stopping? And so in exploring that tonight, before, and before, before we answer the question of how to, let's take a step back and really hone in on the word decision or decisive action. And why is it that sometimes that's very difficult and or challenging to do? When we look closely at the word uh, decision or being decisive, which is obviously uh, taken from the word um, to decide, I want you to take that word and in understanding what it means to decide, I want you to bring to mind, and this will be very counterintuitive, so prepare yourself, but in understanding what it means to decide, I want you to bring to mind the word death and notice your emotional uh, reaction to the word death. Notice what goes on for you uh, in your thought process, what, if it triggers anything for you um, emotionally. Because in the word death, we can really get to what it means to truly decide, okay? Because to decide, if we break that word down, D as in D-E, means to draw from or away from or to bring out of. And the word side, C-I-D-E, when we look at homicide, genocide, suicide, and then there's the word to decide because the word side means to kill off or it's the act of killing. Now, without being too morbid, okay, uh, how does this have anything to do with you taking immediate action? It is because when we truly decide, it's as though we've killed off all other options. To truly be decisive, when we've truly decided on a goal or a dream, we've gotten to the place where we have removed any and all other options. And it turns out that all of us in those moments, when we've truly decided, it is like, it's, it's like death to all other options. And as a result of that, whether we go or move forward or hesitate because we want more preparation, it has a lot to do with if we have truly made a decision. When we find ourselves hesitating or wavering, it is because we're considering the other opportunities, we're considering the other options that we allow to remain alive. And as a result, 
the task at hand or the action that is required will have us focused then on the work, the difficulty, the time it will take, the prices you will have to pay, uh, and all of that hesitation and the, the unwillingness to move, to move forward with authority is the result of still entertaining other options. Now, the author, Adam Grant, uh, Adam Grant is the author of the book, uh, The Originals, one of, a new, it's a New York Times bestseller uh, and available now. But he says uh, that once commitment is fortified, or essentially once we've truly decided and it's fortified, then instead of glancing in the rearview mirror, it's better for us to look forward by highlighting the work that is left to be done. When we're determined to reach an objective, it is that gap between where we are and where we aspire to be that lights the fire under us. So essentially, once you've gotten to the place where there's no other option, we in, in the basic seminar, uh, often we use the, the analogy of uh, Cortez when he said, burn the ships. Something happens for human beings when we've eliminated any or, or all other alternatives. And so if you find yourself at a place of hesitation, if you find yourself in a place of, well, you know what to do, you know an action to take, and for whatever reason you find yourself procrastinating or, uh, or stalling out, it may be because you haven't clearly uh, decided. Like it is, and it is oftentimes the result of you having other options that are still um, at play. So when we, so the reason why making decisions can oftentimes be difficult is because of the fear that comes from, well, what if I decide on the wrong thing? What if the choice or this decision that I've made turns out to be not what I had hoped or expected? And unfortunately, there is not a, there's not a tool, a technique, or even a formula that I'm able to provide you with uh, on this call that will absolutely ensure um, outcomes because all of the outcomes, uh, they bring with them an infinite number of possibilities, okay? So once you've decided, there is still sometimes the feeling of not quite being ready to go, all right? So you've, you've made a decision. You've eliminated any other possibility, like this is what I want. This is the only outcome that I will settle for. Even when you get to that place, there can still be the feeling of not being prepared, although you're ready to move. And so is it true that you have to be completely prepared before you can take action? And to answer that question, I want you to imagine now that the year is 1963. All right? We're in the year 1963, and the place is the Mall of Washington. The scene, hundreds of thousands of people have come to rally or march against injustice. The keynote speaker goes by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. It's time for him to approach the microphone. And in his seat, he can be seen with a pen and still marking the notes on the speech that he's about to give. So how could it be that just seconds, definitely moments, 
before the biggest address of his life, he's still scribbling out and writing in the margins for the speech that he's about to deliver. Can it be that even though he's put himself in a place where there is no turning back, you don't get to turn back when the microphone is on and it's ready for you to speak into it. And there are hundreds of thousands of people who are physically present. And there are millions of people who are watching all around the world via their television or listening to their radios. Once you're at that point, you are definitely at the point of no return. So even in that moment, when there is no turning back, can you still move forward and feel as though you're not quite ready yet? Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. would suggest that absolutely you can. So he begins his speech, and his presentation is flawless. However, the crowd is quiet, and they're still waiting for something. At, at this point, uh, the delivery, though flawless and, and, and precise, it has, it has been, to a degree, very anticlimactic. Right. In the 16 minute speech that he gave, it was minute 11 before he ever uttered the words, I have a dream. Um, and so into the speech, he's uh, seated behind him before before that 11th moment in the speech. Seated behind him, there is a very powerful um, gospel, gospel singer by the name of Mahalia Jackson. And Mahalia Jackson admonishes. Dr. King to tell the crowd about his dream. Now he hears her, but he keeps going with his script. He's, he's maybe looking into the margins. He's maybe looking closer at what he's scribbled out and then written in because at this point, again, he's seeking something to be perfect from a standpoint of delivery. However, the moment was calling for something else. And so though he can hear her saying, tell him about the dream, right? He still hadn't yet. Uh, and so, again, she admonishes him, tell the people about your dream, Martin. And then you can see him, uh, it's as though he just kind of falls back and then utters the words, I have a dream. And going completely off of his script, he delivers one of the most profound, speeches in the history of mankind. Now imagine though that that speech, the I have the I have a dream speech which is now which was heard by millions on that day and has been replayed millions of times by now. That speech actually almost never happened. It almost never took place. That's how close it was. Uh one, you know uh when when it, when the notes from his speech were auctioned and they, you can look into the, the notes that he had prepared. Nowhere in his notes is there even a reference to the I have a dream. Nowhere in his notes does he even refer to this dream of his, of how he saw the world and how he saw people um, working together and coming together. None of that was even in the speech. So now here you have one of the greatest uh, keynote addresses that had ever been delivered that almost doesn't happen. So here you have one of the most powerful addresses 
almost never happens. So what is what does this say to us? What is what is this saying to you? That there are times when you are more ready and prepared than you actually give yourself credit for. And all of his study and preparation and you know uh, technically flawless delivery, it wasn't what the moment was calling for. And there is a power that is within you. There's a power that is within me. That when we allow it, when we, when we allow our need to be perfect, our need to be right, our need to be good enough, or our questioning of our, of our abilities, our questioning of our worthiness, when we allow that to be set aside, when we remove that, then there is there's something that we become connected to that is much more gifted and much more powerful than we could ever do all by ourselves. And so in truth, you can move forward, you can take action without feeling completely prepared, but it is necessary that you be at the place where a true decision has been made, where you're unwilling to accept any other outcome, just as Martin Luther King Jr. was able to do in what became known as the I Have a Dream speech, which almost didn't happen. The dream, his dream, was almost never communicated, okay? Now, okay, so now we are, I've made a decision, and I'm, I've moved even though I don't feel 100% um, prepared, but there's still a, an amount of fear that's there uh, because we want to know, it's kind of in our nature, we want to know the outcome. We want to know how it's going to turn out. And we aren't ever fully over the fear that comes from the unknown because there are variables and there are elements that affect outcomes that are infinite and you cannot be completely prepared for infinite possibilities uh, that, that, that goes against what the definition of infinite um, would even be. So how then do you move even in the face of fear? Uh, well, you know, because I, in, in delivering the basic seminar, I oftentimes have uh, been asked questions about, you know, how to move through, uh, you know, fears of all kinds. And believe it or not, one of the one of the greatest fears that uh, ordinary people oftentimes talk about is their fear of public speaking. And this is, to me, quite uh, surprising uh, because uh, the, the fact that you know people would choose, you know, death over uh, public speaking is hilarious, you know, to me. However, I empathize with it because I've seen and witnessed of men and women work through uh, this particular um, limitation. Uh, and as it turns out, there was the Harvard Business School uh, was definitely also interested in how we get more out of ourselves, even when there is, when fear is present. And so, uh, Again, uh, the author, um, Adam Grant, uh, addresses this, and I'll just kind of take a, a, just a, 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 note, a quotation here from him. It says, uh, if we want to understand how to manage fear, uh, we need only to threaten to put them on stage, all right? Uh, Allison Brooks, a professor at Harvard Business School, uh, asked college students to deliver a persuasive speech on why they would make good collaborators at work. Uh, and a critical experiment sat in the audience 
as uh, all the speeches were videotaped. A committee of peers would be enlisted later to evaluate each speaker's persuasiveness and confidence. With only two minutes to prepare, many of the students were visibly shaken. So here they are at Harvard Business School. They get this assignment knowing that there are critiquers in the audience. They've only got two minutes to prepare, and, it's, and they are visibly shaken by this assignment. Uh, now, if you were in this situation, how would you manage your fear? Uh, and oftentimes, people would coach themselves through by, you know, really uh, working to get calm and relaxed. Uh, and when Brooks asked 300 working Americans to offer advice on this matter, the most popular recommendation was try to relax and calm down. Now, this is, you know, an obvious suggestion favored by more than 90% of professionals, yet it is not the best one. So think about this. All right, so here we are. You know, how would you, once, you, once you're rattled, okay, and you're nervous and you are, you know, you've got some anxiety, quite frankly, uh, just as I have, uh, and even though it's been 13 years of delivering the class uh, of the basic seminar, I still get anxious. I still get nervous about it. And full disclosure, even before the, the start of this call, there's a part of me that is anxious and nervous uh, because I'm, I'm, one, I'm thinking about you, the listener and adding value to you, there's also the part of, you know, well, how do I come across, and how, and how am I going to deliver it, and will the points be made? And so there's still some anxiety and fear that I experience. Uh, and so many people would, would encourage, well, just, you know, just relax, just, just calm down. And as it turns out, that is not the best advice based on the science uh, that resulted from this experiment. And so what, what happened was before the college students gave their speeches, uh, the instructor, Brooks, asked them to speak three words out loud. One, she, had, she has one group, uh, she, she randomly assigned one group to say, I am calm. And she asked another group to say, I am excited. Those three words, just randomly selected. Okay, everybody's anxious, uh, everybody's nervous, and she asked one group to say, I'm, I'm calm, and another group to say, I'm excited. That one word, calm versus excited, was sufficient to significantly alter the quality of the speeches. When students labeled their emotions as excitement, their speeches were rated as 17% more persuasive and 15% more confident than those who branded themselves as calm. Reframing fear as excitement also motivated the speakers, boosting the average length of their speeches by 29% because they had the courage to spend an extra 37 seconds on stage. So all of a sudden they go from anxious and really afraid to so confident and courageous that they spend even more time than was allotted to them because they decided to frame their fear and anxiety as something that was exciting to them versus a need to, you know, uh, a need to suppress it or to even calm down. Now, why do, why do we go through all of that tonight on the podcast? Is because I want you to understand, and I would like to be part of a wave in personal development to get people to understand that fear can be framed and channeled in a way 
that it fuels you. This idea that fear needs to be removed in order for you to act, right? We're actually working against, or you're working against yourself. Uh, the adage of, well, no fear, N-O, no fear. Like, I don't subscribe to that because in truth, there are, there are times when fear actually saves your life, right? Where you, where you are served to be afraid. If you're walking through a wooded area and there's a cave there and you hear a growl come out of that cave, then it serves you to be afraid, right? So uh, I don't subscribe to the idea of no fear. And especially you know, in, in reading um, this study um, by the Harvard Business School, the idea of looking to calm the fear or suppress the anxiety actually works against you. And so what if we could start uh, a revolution of sorts Instead of having it be no fear, N-O fear, what if we could turn it into no fear, K-N-O-W? So rather than not having any fear, let's know what's driving the fear and understand it, okay, knowing from a place of understanding. And as a result of that, we began to channel or frame that fear in a way that we convert that emotion, all right, and by converting that emotion, to one that will propel us or compel us to move forward, uh, we are, it's like pressing the accelerator, right? When we're looking to calm that, that, that anxiety and that anxious uh, or nervous or fearful um, emotion, when we're looking to calm it, it's like driving 80 miles an hour and just slamming on the brakes. Like you, we're still moving and everything in the vehicle is still moving and we just slam on the brakes. Right? That could actually cause damage. So rather than look to calm it down, what if we were able to just frame it from fear to actual excitement? And so now you, there you are with a goal or dream in mind. There's an action for you to take. You've decided that this is the only alternative. You, are, you know that you've prepared enough. However, because there are an infinite number of possibilities and outcomes, then you could never be fully prepared for the infinite, okay? And so you're ready to move anyway, and yet there's some fear that you have. And so rather than, rather than uh, believe that you must calm the fear or curtail it in some way, shape, or form, we want to reframe it and have that fear become now excitement. So rather than calm it down, we allow ourselves to be excited about what it will generate, and the momentum that it will cause. And so now with this in place, all right, so we, we've, we've decided, we've prepared enough, we are knowing our fear, what actually causes the movement. And this is really where the basic seminar um, comes, in, comes into play and it will be a review for some and, and maybe an introduction for others. Um, but in truth, we will only we only act in accordance with what our self-image affirms. And so you have, when it comes to your mind, not your brain, your mind, three levels: a conscious, subconscious, and superconscious level of mind. Your conscious level of mind is the is the area of reason and logic, and its purpose is to decide. Right. It also is at this level of mind that you're able to experience uh, the five physical senses, and it is at this level of mind that you, again, make 
where you, you can decide from this level of mind. However, it is not this level of mind, it is not the conscious level of mind that causes you to act or behave. Uh, evidence of this would be, and uh, just you know, just participate with me. I'm not I'm not able to see you tonight, though I would love to. Um, you are. But uh, I would just ask the question. You know, how many of you've ever made a mistake before? And so, if you've ever made a mistake before, uh, raise your hand. Okay. And now, if you've ever made a mistake before, and you promised yourself that you would never make that same mistake again. However, you made the same mistake again. Raise your hand. If you raise your hand twice, or if you answered yes to both of those, then you are evidence that we don't always do what we know to do. All right, so if we made that mistake before, then why would we repeat it? If we knew that it didn't work the first time, why would we do it again? It is because there's something else that drives your behavior, and it is at the subconscious level of mind, which is where your self-image is contained. And we will only act in accordance with what fits or provides more evidence or assurance or validation for what our self-image is. And so sometimes the, the, the hesitation and the unwillingness to act or the unwillingness to set an even bigger goal or go after an even larger, more worthy dream, it is because our subconscious mind's job is to keep us comfortable, to keep us safe, and to have us only do and experience that which will meet uh, the self-image that we have for ourselves. What is great about this, I, and I really don't have time um, to go into it tonight, However, uh, throughout, throughout all of our curriculum, uh, it's definitely there. What, what is exciting to know is that because as human beings, we have the power to alter our vibration, then we can change our self-image. Again, you will only act in accordance with what your self-image is. And so before even setting the goal or dream, it is often necessary to align your self-image with whatever that outcome or dream is that you desire. Now, as human beings, as far as we know, we're the only ones, we're the only species able to alter our state of vibration. Uh, the acorn will only become an oak tree. No matter how bad it wants to be something else, the acorn only has the option of becoming an oak tree. Uh, the carrot seeds only have the option of producing carrots. However, as human beings, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter who your parents were or weren't, no matter what neighborhood you grew up in, what country you grew up in, even uh, the color of your skin does not matter because as human beings, we are able to alter our state of vibration. And so even though someone else may see an outcome or possibility for you, you can change it to fit what you ultimately desire because of the use or through the use of your imagination. And so the most powerful gift, the most powerful tool that you have is your ability to think in opposition to what might be your current reality. To say that differently, you have the ability to no matter where you are or what you're going through, you can imagine a different reality. And as far as we know, as far as the research has shown, 
uh, we're the only species that has the ability to do that, that no matter what current reality is, we can alter our vibration by creating for ourselves a different picture or imagining a different reality or outcome. That's the tool, that's the power that you have to really uh, change your life. And so what, what, we, what I've uh, really you know, explored here tonight can be summed up in a quote by H.W. Uh, Murray that um, maybe you've heard before, uh, but I ask that you listen to it again um, tonight, maybe for the first time. Uh, with with the content of of the podcast uh, so far, but H. W. Murray says that until one is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back, and always ineffectiveness concerning all acts of initiative and creation. There is one elementary truth: the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves to. Until one is committed, there is hesitancy. There is a chance to draw back. Always ineffectiveness. What is he saying there? Until you've actually decided until you've actually removed or killed off all other alternatives, there is the tendency to hesitate. There's, there, is a, there is a part of us that wants to draw back until we decide. All right? And he goes on to say that concerning all acts of initiative and creation, what is he talking about there? He's saying that when it comes to human beings, create what is creating a business or creating a loving relationship living your vision or mission vision or your mission or getting your body into the physical uh, shape that you desire. There is one elementary truth and it's the ignorance of this truth, which kills ideas and splendid plans. It's the, it's the not knowing this truth. It's the ignorance of this truth that kills off great plans. And that is this, that the moment one definitely decides, then providence moves to. When you get, see, there's a part of you that is connected to infinite intelligence. And when your conscious and subconscious align, when what you say you want and when what you believe you can have, when they get aligned, then the how to, the way to do it, flows through from infinite intelligence. Um, I label it God, you may call it universe, spirit, Whatever you choose to label it, I assure you, does not limit its power, and you have access to it. What is required of you is an alignment between what you say you want and what you believe that you can have. When those align, then you move with absolute certainty and conviction. And, with, and when it comes to moving with certainty and conviction, it does not mean that all fear is removed. Moving with certainty and conviction does not mean that you are prepared for every potential variable or element because, again, those are infinite. It just means that you're willing to continue forward because you've eliminated anything else that you could return back to. And so when you've done that, when you're at that level of decisiveness, when you're at that level of commitment, 
then you are able to tap into an infinite intelligence that also wants you to have what you most desire. And what's beautiful is you get to decide for yourself what that is. And so with that, um, I, I, again, um, I'm grateful uh, for your, uh, for your commitment tonight. If I don't, if I don't get around to saying that again, and I'd like to turn it over to uh, Kat, who I know uh, has some questions uh, ready for us. Kat? Uh, yeah, we do have questions. And before I head into those, I just want to put out there for the people who are listening in who have not yet been to the basic seminar that this is really just uh, the tip of the iceberg. Like these concepts that Cortland's sharing uh, are really powerful when you understand them and then a whole other level when you're able to integrate them to your life because you've had an experience of how they work. And that's what happens in the basic seminars because it's an experiential class. You get to really take these concepts and have an experience of how they work so that you can implement them in your life. If you want to find out more, you can go to psibasicseminar.com. It will have information about the class as well as uh, dates and locations, and uh, you're able to register right there on the site. So that's psibasicseminar.com. Now for some questions. First up, we have from SJ. Does having confidence with belief lead to certainty? So basically, does, Got it. Okay. what comes first, confidence or certainty? Oh. Oh, gotcha. Okay, perfect. Uh, and great. Uh, that's a great question. Confidence uh, and and belief uh, together, right? Uh, we're asking if that produces certainty, and the short answer to that um, is yes. Um, the question may then be, okay, well, how do I grow my confidence or develop my belief? One of the one of the sure ways to increase your confidence is by keeping your word to yourself by keeping your word to yourself and to other people, one of the concepts that we explore in the basic seminar. Uh, it is, it's easy to do and easy not to do, and that's what makes it so special. Right? Um, your confidence will rise or fall in direct relationship to your relationship with your word. And so check in with when you give your word to other people uh, and when you give your word to yourself, if there's any discrepancy in the two. A lot of times, um, people will find that they're really good at keeping their word to other people, uh, but they find it easy, or at least easier, to break the word with themselves. And so, uh, your relationship with your word is your relationship with you, and keeping your word to yourself and other people is a way to grow your confidence. Then, belief, we develop belief uh, through repetition. Right. We develop and because repetition is the first law of learning. And so one of the ways to increase your belief in yourself, your belief in producing an outcome, is to create in your mind a mental picture of the outcome that you desire. And having seen that outcome being made manifest in your mind's eye enough times, okay, it will increase your belief. I, and I know that may, well, I don't know how that sounds to you. Uh, in the event that that sounds a little too far-fetched, uh, I would just say test it. Right? We, we learn through repetition. And by creating a vision or being able to visualize the outcome that you desire, holding that vision long enough for it to become a belief. And so with, with now you have the belief or the picture in mind, 
There's the confidence that is the result of you giving yourself uh, a command and then following it. That definitely leads to certainty and or or conviction. Yeah. Yeah. Next from SM. How can I become more self-aware of when I'm doubting myself or not acting with confidence? I don't. The the that's a great question as well, and we all and we all deal with it. All right. This uh, this idea that highly successful people, you know, never procrastinate. They move without hesitation. Um, it's just false. You know, it, it's just not true. And so, be good to yourself. All right. Let's uh, let's put the hammers away. If you're not, you know, if you aren't moving through your life without ever hesitating or having some doubt. So that part of it is part and parcel of it all. First and foremost. Now to stop the doubting, then decide you know as 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 we said earlier in the call uh you can remove the doubt you remove the doubt when you determine that you won't accept any other outcome and when that's in place as human beings we will figure it out when we know that there's no place else to run to or nowhere to go and hide we will we channel the the we channel then the inner strength that is there and available to us at all times is just that sometimes it requires uh, sometimes a rational, sometimes a logical choices in order for us to be able to tap into that power that basically we have on reserve at all times. Great. Next from JW. What tools can I use in each moment to quiet my need for perfection to just go for it? Mm-hmm. Right on. I, uh, you know, I, I deal, I deal with this one as well. And I, you know, backing up a little bit, I think that the desire, you know, sometimes the desire for it to be perfect can be a result of you having a true desire to serve and really add value. Uh, whether it's, uh, getting, you know, prepared for tonight's podcast or, uh, you know, delivering, you know, the, the basic seminar to the best of my ability, there's definitely, you know, nerves that come up and a desire for perfection that comes not from a place of ego, but really from a place of wanting to be of service and truly having a desire to add value. And so I would encourage you not to, you know, and then sometimes that desire to be perfect is a result of the fear of not looking good in the eyes of other people, which is driven by ego. And so what I would encourage is that maybe you keep a part of that desire to of perfection and give yourself, uh, you know, stop times. Give yourself deadlines, essentially. It's like you give yourselves that those moments where, okay, at, you know, at two o'clock at two o'clock Pacific, whatever I have is what I'm going with. And so when you give yourself deadlines to meet, then you can assure that there's action that will be taken and you're not you know, you're not experiencing paralysis from analysis. Uh the doubt may always be there. I'm not sure that you can ever get to the place where there's zero doubt. Um, you can, however, set up particular systems whereby 
even with the doubt and even with it not being perfect, you are in a place or in a space to move no matter what. And so I would encourage that versus really, because you could give yourself a pretty big project if you give yourself the project of removing all doubt and uh, removing all, you know, fear, okay, because the truth is that you can move forward with all of those being in place. Okay? Uh, Yes. Next from AC, can you explain the difference between fear that is holding you back and intuition that is giving you guidance when making a decision or taking action? Awesome question. That is a great question. And um, I would say this, that intuition rarely has you stand completely still. And by that I mean we're designed for movement. We're, we, we, are, we are created to be in a constant state of, of flow and motion. And we are, we, we're designed that way. And so oftentimes our fear, uh, so, you know, so when you're experiencing fear and you want to know, well, is it, is it fear that has me stopped or it is, or is it my intuition that is saying, take on a different course of action? Well, you're in, you could be, you could be, you could be moving. Okay. You can be moving and that be your intuition but it could be moving you away from what you thought was the desired outcome. Typically, though, when it's just fear or when you're frozen because of not knowing what the outcome is going to be, you'll find you find yourself stuck, okay? And I believe that just that experience of being stuck or frozen goes against our uh, it goes against our nature and how and how we are designed. And so just notice that even if, if, it's, if it's your intuition that's moving you away from uh, a friendship, a, uh, a goal, or an objective, then if, if you find yourself still in motion but not in the direction of what you thought, or if you find yourself still in motion but not in the direction of where you thought you were going to go or it's starting to look uh, unlike how you thought it would look, then that's likely intuition. If you find yourself just frozen and not moving at all, then it's more likely fear. And as we said earlier, you can be experiencing fear and still moving. And so I would say that it's not about, you know, not having any fear at all, but rather it's about knowing, K-N-O-W, knowing uh, what is generating the fear and possibly be able to turn that fear into an to the excitement of uh, of what's next and who you're and who you are becoming in that process. Okay. Uh, next from TM, how do you remain open to unexpected blessings while focused on a path? The I would I would say that you and, and again thank you for the question. I would say that just know that there will be the unexpected. You know, and, and, and not to not to be, you know, trite, you know, about it, but understand that there are an endless number of possibilities. Okay? There are innumerable 
potential outcomes in any given situation. And so the idea that you must be prepared for whatever comes up could be avoidance because there's a part of you that knows that there is no way for you to be ready for everything that may come up. And so know or expect that there will be some unforeseen, okay? Regardless of all of the planning that you do, there will be things that come up that you didn't count on. One of the ways that you can be uh, assured of moving through those is by continuing to build your uh, self-image and when you've uh, determined that no other um, outcome is acceptable, then it's like whatever comes up, I'm moving through it. No matter what it is, I'm moving through it. And so it becomes less about, oh, I'm afraid, and becomes more about bring it on. Because if this is what I got to move through in order to get my goal or dream, then just you may as well just bring it on now. Don't wait till later because I've already determined that I'm going to do what it takes. And with that attitude, you'll find yourself, uh, it's not, you'll find yourself focused and not worried about what's going to come up because you know that there will always be some unexpected. However, you, you've already determined that you're not going to turn back. Okay? Yeah, next from DP. What self-dialogue can I exercise when I'm feeling overwhelmed, and how can I change a limiting belief about the power of my mind? Okay. Uh, another great question, and, and, and to answer it, uh, write this down. In fact, uh, I would encourage everyone listening to this a podcast uh, to write this down and hear the words. There are tremendous hidden abilities within me. I'll say it again. There are tremendous hidden abilities within me. It's up to me to uncover them. It's up to me to uncover them. And the more I uncover, the more joyful my life will be. All right. So there is a statement that uh, write it down, memorize it, and have that become your internal dialogue. There are tremendous hidden abilities within me. It is up to me to uncover them. The more I uncover the more joyful my life will be. Have that be your internal dialogue and it will serve as fuel to push you through uh, adversity, challenge, and difficulty. Yeah. Yes, from MK, can you give me an extreme action to take to find the motivation I need to overcome my fears and take the risks I need to change my life? Wow, wow. Well, you know what? In, in order to in order to give you know extreme to one is uh, is not extreme, you know, to the other, and vice versa. 
you know, but here, here's an exercise that you, that may be, uh, may be exactly what you're looking for. And, uh, if there's a goal or dream that you have, okay, and you're clear about what that is, and it's something that you truly want, and you find yourself not taking action on it, then it is because there's some forgiveness work that you have to do. And we covered this in the basic seminar on the con- in the concept of the three R's and the last R being revenge. And there are ways that men and women take out revenge on other people, obviously, but there are also ways that we take out revenge on ourselves. And one of the ways that we take out revenge on ourselves is by uh, not going after our goals and dreams. We can, it could actually be a form of revenge when you, when you're not taking action towards what it is that you want. And so to, uh, again, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not able to say just how, uh, extreme it is. However, uh, do this exercise for, uh, spend two hours on this exercise uninterrupted. And at the top, you know, just take out a sheet of paper, take out a notebook, and on page one of your notebook, uh, just write this question. What have I not forgiven myself for? What have I not forgiven myself for? And for two hours, spend time answering that question and using or what's called um, automatic writing, okay? And when you're automatic writing, it means that you're not worried about dotting I's and, and, and crossing T's. You're just writing whatever comes out and just allow it to flow onto the page. And when you do that in answering this question, uh, you may be fascinated at what's actually uh, causing you to not take the action. Because there's a part of you that knows that if you will take the action, then you're going to get the dream. So if you find yourself not taking action, then there's a part of you at some level that doesn't feel worthy or deserving of the dream that you have. And so in order to move beyond that, you got some forgiveness work to do. In order to know what to forgive, then you've got to find out what it is that you've not forgiven yourself for. And so uh, start there uh, for two hours and uh, and see what uh, what comes out of uh, you just taking that deliberate um, action. Well, that was a perfect one to end on. That's all the time we have for questions. Uh, though we do have, uh, like I mentioned, a number of people on the call who haven't been to the basic seminar. If you could just uh, take a couple of minutes to talk about what the basic seminar is and then uh, wrap up the call with some takeaway points, uh, that would be awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, Kat, and, and thank you. And, and I want to just publicly, um, you know, acknowledge you, Kat, for your commitment to not only your own personal growth, uh, also your commitment to the personal growth and transformation of, of other people uh, by hosting um, these calls. Uh, the basic seminar, for those of you that um, have not attended, uh, is an extraordinary um, three-day experience whereby uh, you wake you wake up essentially to the possibilities uh, and the dreams that quite frankly have uh, fallen asleep. There's a part of you that knows that you can do more, be more, have more, contribute more, 
and uh, it's likely, uh, or you wouldn't be on this call, but there's a part of you that would like to uh, take action on that. And, you know, the basic seminar, in my view, is really about closing the gap between where you are and where you desire to be. It's about you uh, moving closer to what you know you're capable of, not only contributing and giving, um, but it's, it's you moving closer to uh, who you know you're capable of being. Uh, we, we act in accordance with what our self-image uh, dictates. And if I can be so bold enough uh, to say that you are not running your life, but rather you have programs, you have ways of thinking and believing about you, other people, life, and the world. And it's those beliefs that are ingrained and hardwired that are the result of the decision or they are the result of the actions that you take and don't take. And in the basic seminar, we spend uh, 30 hours in uh, a really intensive and uh, also deep immersion into the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, and the beliefs that are in the way of you having more of what it is that you want. And the way that we do that is we, you know, um, we, I or one of, I'm one of five instructors who gets the opportunity to do so, but we'll present the universal law to a concept, and then you move into an exercise where you get to experience it for yourself. So it's not someone telling you um, what's true or how you ought to live or what you ought to do or even how you ought to be. We'll present it. We then move into an exercise where you get to experience it for yourself. And after that experience, there's an opportunity for you to clarify the discoveries that you've made. And so over and over again, over a 30-hour period stretched out over three days, uh, you awaken yourself to the possibilities that lie within you. And if you've not uh, attended the basic seminar, uh, I strongly, strongly encourage you to uh, not just say that you're going to look into it, but I would implore you to make a decision on it, that you decide that you're going to be in the next available class um, to you. And you can find that information as far as where the classes are being held uh, at PSIseminars.com, where it will give you a list of the cities and the dates uh, for the next uh, for the next classes. Uh, with that, uh, again, I say thank you, and I want to applaud you for your commitment uh, to being on uh, to being on this call. Uh, it is a display of your how serious you are about growing and expanding yourself. Uh, if you want to move with greater certainty and conviction, uh, it's important that you first decide that you must eliminate all the other alternatives, give yourself no wiggle room, no back door, uh, but get, get to a place where there's the one and only outcome that you will accept is the one that uh, culminates into your goal or dream being realized. And know that when you get to that place, uh, you can prepare as much as possible, and yet you don't have to be perfectly prepared. You can take action even before you feel like you're absolutely ready. Uh, when, you're, when you're willing to do that, there will still be some fear that's there, and you don't have to move with no fear. However, you can move by knowing your fear and being able to reframe that fear and anxiety into uh, e excitement 
about who you are becoming um, in the process. And so uh, if, you'll, if you'll do that, and keep in mind that there is a force that is available to you when you are in alignment from your conscious, subconscious, and superconscious level of mind. When what you say you want and when what you believe you can have, when they get aligned, then the how-to and the way to do it flows through. And so with that, um, again, I say uh, thank you and uh, I acknowledge you and I appreciate you for being open to uh, this this conversation tonight. And again, Kat, I want to say thank you to you for uh, for the commitment that you display. Well, thank you, Cortland, for uh, being with us here tonight and sharing. This was absolutely the uh, perfect call for me personally. Uh, I got a lot out of it. Now I'm going to get rid of some of those chicken exits on some of the goals that I'm working on right now. Uh, so I'm grateful that uh, you came on to do this topic. This is great. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we look in, I look forward to the next opportunity. And to those of you on the call, if you enjoy the call, then share it with someone. And if you're a basic seminar graduate and you know someone who's not attended the basic, uh, get committed that you're going to have someone be in the next class so that we can all be doing our part uh, to make the world better. Uh, that's just my, uh, that's a personal mission of mine, and I know you didn't ask me for that, cat. However, I just wanted to say it. So uh, that's all I got. I'll be quiet, and, and thanks again. Well, thank you. And and for those of you who are <laughs> new to PSI seminars and, and want to find out more about the basic course, go to psibasicseminar.com, uh, where you'll find information about the class as well as the upcoming dates and locations that are up, uh, you know open for registration. That's psibasicseminar.com. You definitely don't want to miss next month's training. It's scheduled for Tuesday, May 9th. You can register now at psilive.com. And remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's psilive.com. If you're getting value from our podcast, don't forget to rate us and leave a review on iTunes. And thank you again, everyone, for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night. <laughs>